Welcome back to another episode of A Mental Health Break with Vincent A. Lancey. I'm excited to launch another episode for you all. I'm Vincent Lancey, speaker, coach, and author of the book Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption. When I was 21 years old, I was the victim of a hit-and-run accident while walking home from a friend's birthday. After coming out of a coma and suffering from a traumatic brain injury, or you may know of as a TBI, I soon realized that it was time to put my mental health on a very high pedestal. This transformative experience has led me to create a podcast that is all things mental health. If you missed the last episode, be sure to download it after you tune in today. If you enjoyed today's recording, please rate the show five stars and continue listening by subscribing. Would it benefit you to hear from mental health professionals and influencers? Would it also add value to your life to hear mental health advocates share their authentic stories and talk about their mental health, the disparities they face, and how they actively combat them? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you came to the right place. I want to start by congratulating you for making your mental health a priority. On this episode, I am happy to introduce my guest, Johnny Crowder. Johnny is a mental health advocate with an inspiring story to share. He is the CEO and founder of Cope Notes and a TEDx speaker. Cope Notes is a preventative international mobile health solution that does not require internet or smartphone access. Cope Notes has had 430, 887,000 text exchanged in over 92 countries reached, which is 15,800 lives impacted. With just one text a day, you can train your brain to combat guilt. He'll tell us all about his company, along with his personal testimonial, which involves working with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, for almost a decade. Johnny, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Would you mind please introducing yourself to our listeners and share part of your story before we dive in and get going? And also please share your role relating to mental health. Yeah, so I'll, I'll keep this part short and sweet. Um, so I am the classic entrepreneur type. I experienced an issue in my life and then I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people experiencing that issue. So I grew up in an abusive household, um, drugs and alcohol in the home, unsafe environment. And I was diagnosed with uh, schizophrenia, bipolar one, OCD, PTSD, ADHD, pretty much every acronym that you can think of. Um, in high school and it just got more and more difficult from there. So I'm, I'm a suicide and abuse survivor. Fortunately, I went to school for psychology because how could you not after living a life like that? Um, and then I got involved with NAMI in 2011 and I've been doing mental health advocacy ever since. So almost, almost 10 whole years of speaking at schools and conferences and um, little small groups and, and really just doing whatever I can to help people understand mental health a little better and help um, kick stigmas butt. I love it. And thank you for sharing your story today. I know it's going to be a good one. But Johnny, before we get going, I share the mental health story of someone who is famous on each episode because I want to let you, the listeners know, you are not alone. I want you to understand that even though someone looks like they're healthy from the outside, they may not be on the inside too. And for today's episode, I will introduce the mental health-related story of comedian and actor Pete Davidson. 
And I chose this article because it is another great example of how someone who is always making jokes can be struggling mentally too. He said, quote, I started having these mental breakdowns where I would like freak out and then not remember what happened after. This SNL star had to take breaks from his profession to focus on his mental health and has been to rehab to improve. After leaving rehab, he ended up going back after a breakdown and a lot of difficulties may have stemmed from his father dying in 9-11, I learned. I also learned that he struggles with borderline personality disorder or BPD. And according to the reading, it is a severe mental illness which involves difficulty relating to other people in a meaningful way, unstable self-esteem, impulsivity, inability to control mood, and a strong impulse to harm yourself. Erica Michelson is a clinical psychologist in Texas inside the article. She added, individuals who suffer from BPD are often unable to have stable relationships with family, friends, or partners. They struggle to trust anyone and feel they will be abandoned or betrayed by another person at any time. Johnny, what do you take away from this story or these statements on mental health? Um, I think it's interesting that you brought the story of a comedian to light because that's how I met Nami was through comedy. So I taught um, improv comedy at UCF and, and in Tampa after that. And I performed comedy for years and years, um, even out in LA for a little bit. And comedy was always a really sort of healthy place for me to, to put um, my feelings and it, it always felt like an outlet that I could turn to and that I never felt like I was running away. I felt like I was channeling it. And um, I know a lot of comedians and people who are involved in the creative arts kind of view creativity as a healthy outlet for that. So I am not, I am, I'm not surprised to hear that there are people in the art world who are using their art to deal with it. Cause at least in my story, it's been, um, it's been a huge help to know that no matter how frustrated or how sad or, or even how manic I get, I can always turn to guitar or um, design or anything creative because there's always a place for me there. I can relate somewhat with my writing when I'm getting stressed out or I need to just decompress. I hop on the computer right now. It's for children's books, but it's usually some sort of project. So Johnny, let's get into the main event. On each episode, my guest and I will go over this series of six questions, which only slightly varies depending on if the guest is speaking on their own or others' mental health. You ready to go? Let's rock. Let's rock today. Let's do it. So many would agree that the more common or at least talked about types of mental disparities are mood disorders, anxiety disorders, or schizophrenia disorders. What areas did you come across the most? I think there's a there's a big light being directed towards depression specifically, and I think part of that is because um, it's so relevant. But part of it is because I think culture is finally warming up to talking about it. At least I shouldn't say finally warming up because we are very early on in that process still, in my opinion. But agreed, agreed. Yeah. Um, I I do feel a difference between when I first started doing advocacy until now. Um, I think there's a little bit more um, cultural, it's not as taboo, and I'm hoping to establish the same for OCD and schizophrenia and and, um, bipolar and all of the different, 
I think there are some that have a heavier stigma than others. So I'm trying to um, bridge that gap. And if someone's comfortable, if someone's not comfortable talking about anything, then I might talk to them about depression and anxiety. But if they're getting comfortable with those, I want to, you, you know, maybe mix in a couple other diagnoses to show them that none of these words are going to hurt you. It's okay to talk about. I couldn't agree more. Um the stigmas are slowly breaking down. Some work that you're doing is certainly helping those stigmas break down. How long ago would you say in your 10 years of advocating, has it started to loosen up these stigmas? Because I know, like you said, it wasn't always like this where people were even talking about depression, anxiety. I don't know. It's hard to say. There's, there hasn't been one moment where I'm like, wow, you know, the world gets it. I think it's been a very slow, gradual, um, and honestly, a very uphill battle because there are even times when you know you literally have to scream something from the rooftops for a decade before anyone even tries to listen and so now i think we're at the point where you know i'm 10 years in and people go oh that mental health guy yeah he can come speak at our thing and it's like okay well now this is chapter two of advocacy is like not just speaking at mental health events but starting to speak at speaking events or things that aren't centered around mental health. And we're trying to basically get this topic to, to infiltrate other areas of conversation so that it doesn't feel so siloed. So I don't have a good answer. I'll, I'll say that this is probably a fight I will be fighting my whole life. And I wouldn't rather be, I wouldn't rather die on any other hill. I'll say that. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to advocating as well through my own experiences. You mentioned your stance your path on mental health advocating was there a moment for you that you said hey this is when i'm going to start advocating was there a turning point yeah and it's funny because i'm not a big fan of uh turning points or or the the phrase or the concept a big part of my uh ted talk is about that how how i think that phrase is very misleading but this is one area in my life where i do feel like i kind of had a turning point and um there was a, a local comedian in Orlando who had died by suicide and we threw a comedy festival for him and I I don't want to sound like I threw it you know there were like right. hundreds of people involved and it was this huge thing across multiple venues it was it, it became the Orlando Indie Comedy Festival but it started as a fundraiser um, and we like the whole Orlando comedy community raised a ton of money and and gave uh, NAMI in Greater Orlando, this big novelty check. And I wasn't familiar with NAMI at the time. And uh, it's like 2 a.m., maybe 3 a.m. in downtown Orlando. And this this woman is on stage, the, the president of uh, NAMI Orlando, accepting this check. And she's like, hey, thanks. Um, if you guys don't know NAMI, basically what we do is um, we do a lot of mental health advocacy and we help connect people with um, mental health resources and we really try to um, serve people who kind of don't know where to turn with stuff like this and she mentioned something about how um, advocacy like lived experience advocacy and people telling their stories has been very powerful and I just thought like if me sharing my experiences with mental illness could help keep someone alive or or help them seek the help that they could really benefit from then I want to I don't care how embarrassed I get or how many people have to know my dirty laundry. I'm going to do it. So I chase this. So this woman walks out with this big novelty check and I'm, you know, 
for people who don't know what I look like, I am covered head to toes in tattoo. I wear like these black shirts with metal logos on them and stuff. And I'm chasing this old lady down the street in downtown Orlando at like three in the morning with this giant novelty check. And I'm like, Hey, I want to do something with you guys. I want to all sharpen pencils or file paperwork at your office or whatever you need me to do. I want to be involved in that. I think from there, I just started really developing a heart for advocacy because before I thought you can only help people if you're a clinician. And I was like, I'm not going to be a clinician. Like I'm not going to be in school for, I don't have like, you know, $500,000 to go to school. And then when I found out that advocacy is, is an avenue to really um, help people and learn a lot about mental health, I was like, screw it. I'm going to do this. I couldn't agree more. The power of sharing your story can go so far. The first time I really shared my story in front of a large crowd, I knew it was a moment where this is something I can do long-term because of the joy I get out of it. Very similar in that regard where I love the feeling. I love giving back. But Johnny, what advice can you give to our listeners as what may be considered a potential early sign that may be starting to develop a form of mental illness? I'm going to take a different direction with my answer and say that it, it, it I'm pretty unconventional. So just prep, if you don't agree with this, I, I get it. Um, but I would say that it doesn't matter whether you're developing symptoms that could be classified as being related to mental illness or not. Like diagnoses don't, we place so much emphasis on that and we neglect the fact that like, if, you know, if you have teeth, you should brush them. It doesn't matter if you have, see like pre-cavity, you know, or if you are having gum pain or anything like that. Like, no, I don't care how your gums feel, brush your teeth. Like whether you're, whether you have the healthiest set of teeth in the world or whether they're falling out of your head, you still need to take care of them. So I take the same approach with mental health. Like don't get too caught up on whether or not you fit in this box or whether or not this symptom aligns with this diagnosis or whether this thing that you feel is listed on WebMD, like keep in touch with yourself and don't worry too much about boxes. Just, just worry about taking good care of that head of yours. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, we had one earlier guest who said, we, get, we go to a dentist, we get our teeth cleaning, we go to the doctor when we don't feel good or break a bone. Why shouldn't people go to get regular mental health checkups. Mm -hmm. So that's a great way to put it. And if you could pick three, and I say just three things, because I want the three most important things our listeners can do on a daily basis to start improving their mental health. What three things can you recommend here? I'm going to suggest um, my three things during COVID times. So when everything is shut down, yeah. um, I've, been, I've been clinging to these three things and, I, and they've been working well for me. Um, first thing is do something that feels the same. And that's like something that you would do if the world wasn't on lockdown, you know, like you would floss or something, or you would put on a pair of socks or you'd put on deodorant or you would trim your beard, like some sort of thing that makes the day feel normal. Do something that reminds you that there is some sort of structure. So my first thing is do something that feels the same. The second thing is do something that feels different. So purposely um, break convention and show yourself that, you know, I mean, everything is changing every day and everything is staying the same every day. So you want to basically help yourself not be afraid of either thing. So 
if you don't normally have Thai food or you don't normally try to watch an action movie or you don't normally do like a stretch yoga video or something, purposely do something different that you wouldn't normally do just to show yourself that change is okay and that you can bend uh, without breaking. And then the third thing um, I would recommend is reach out to somebody. So first thing is do something that feels normal. Second is do something that feels different. The third thing is talk to anybody, purposely make a point to reach out, whether it's sending a Facebook message to somebody or texting somebody or sending a meme or a GIF or, or calling a friend just, just for a minute and saying, Hey, um, I just wanted to see if you remembered the name of the movie that we watched. It was like seven years ago and it had, uh, Austin Powers. It was like an Austin Powers movie or was it not? I can't remember. Just that tiny micro interaction with somebody else on an interpersonal level, I think can go a long way. So do something that feels normal, do something that feels different and reach out to somebody. I think that's an awesome, awesome three things to do. And it is relating right now, but you have anything longer for us too, Johnny? Those are great short-term initiatives. What are two longer term commitments our listeners can start to create a healthier mindset with? Um, let's see. I know one out the gate, I journal every single day. Um, when I get in bed at the end, I'm not big on like physical journals cause I have my, my hands hurt when I use a pen. Um, but I can type all day long. So I type it on my computer. You can keep a journal wherever you want, but I have a word document, um, that I open up every single night when I get in bed, put my laptop on my lap and I type out 10 things that I am thankful for. So I do my 10 things and then underneath that, I type out um, what I need help with and uh, things that I want to see change in my life. So I would recommend uh, journaling or keeping a gratitude checklist every day. And it's, I know someone is listening right now and they're like, that sounds like BS and it's not going to make a difference. And that sounds like so hippy dippy, dude, you are preaching to the choir. I, I cannot count how many therapists told me to do this and I just metaphorically told them to kick rocks and I never tried it until just a few years ago. And I realized how big of a difference it made. So I I encourage people to journal and um, I encourage people to keep a gratitude checklist because I know that sounds like one thing, but in my head, it's two different things. Um, The gratitude checklist is framed completely differently from journaling. When I'm doing my checklist, even though they're both kept in the same document, it's literally, you know how you type one thing, you put like one period and then the thing and then you press enter and it creates two, like it creates a second item. Do 10 things a day and they can't overlap. And what that shows you is that every single day there are 10 new things that are good. And underneath that, you have the autonomy to to paint a picture of your future. Talk about what you want tomorrow to look like, how you want to feel Um, areas that you want to improve in. And I think it's helped to keep that balance. A lot of people think that journaling is kind of, um, you just kind of open your journal and write whatever. And sometimes that really helps. But for me, lately, what's been helping me is segmenting it out, saying thank you for things and then asking for things. I'm a big fan of both as well. The gratitude journal was brought to me maybe a half a year ago. And I couldn't say more good things about it. But we know how committed you are right now with raising awareness through your story. Let's look into the future here. You have so much going on right now. What are some ways you're going to continue to raise awareness for the importance of mental health in the future? I'd love to hear what you have going on. 
Um, I'd like to do another TED talk at some point. My first one was a lot of work and it was a, it was a bucket list thing for sure. I'd love to do another one. Um, and outside of that, I'm, I'm working on some uh, TV projects that I hope come to light. Um, can't share too much about them yet, but I'm, I'm very, very much hoping that they um, do a lot of good. And also I- I'm sticking to it with Coke notes and with my band, like m- my band is called prison for anyone who likes metal music, but we sing about all sorts of uh, mental health issues, sobriety, consent, a lot of stuff that you might not expect to hear from a metal band. And with Coke notes, we are, we're doing everything we can to get Coke notes into schools into businesses for student and employee wellness, um, integrate with insurance companies. We, we even worked with an ultimate Frisbee team. Um, we are doing everything we can to get each person engaging with a mental health resource on a daily basis. Very inspired by listening to that. And I know everybody listening on is going to dive into that and look it up online. So Johnny, thank you so much for coming on. I know our listeners are going to see all the value in your show today. I loved right in the beginning when you said I, could, I need to scream on the rooftop for a decade for people to finally start to hear. I think that's exactly what hap- is what's happening, and we are working towards breaking down those stigmas. I also appreciated how you did the short-term solutions relating to COVID because of how much that's really going to help everybody right away. But it is time for the last word, and I also do this on my other podcast, what it's really like to be an entrepreneur as well, because I want our listeners to really get to know the guests I bring on Is there something that you would like to share with everybody listening on that we did not get to touch on yet today? Um, I'll share two things. I'll share one thing that I forgot to mention is uh, I do host a podcast. So if you are a podcast listener, you can look up the Cope Notes podcast. It's on wherever you're listening to this, I'm sure. Um, And I encourage you to give that a listen. And the second thing that I want to share is um, it is okay to engage in self-care practices that are not traditionally associated with self-care. So a lot of people think like, you know, self-care is eating vegetables or going on a run or getting a massage. And it's like, dude, self-care could be like watching a series of music videos from the 90s for a half hour. You know, self-care could mean like getting up and peeing when you have to pee instead of waiting until the end of whatever meeting you're a part of just saying, you know what, I'm going to take a two minute break from this Zoom call. I'm going to use a restroom. It's self-care can look like painting a pair of sneakers or, or cleaning your bathroom. It can look like whatever. So I, I just want people who are listening to kind of expand their cultural understanding of what qualifies as self-care because really nobody can tell you whether or not something qualifies for you. Like for me, not even joking, the kindest thing I can do for myself is to watch a car review. I watch like um, a review of some supercar, like a million dollar supercar and they're like showing the trim on the interior and then they're talking about the specs the kindest thing I can do for myself is allow myself to enjoy a car video. So for someone else, they think what a waste of time. And for me, I'm like, you don't know how life giving this is. So just, just understand that if you're listening to this right now and you don't think that you engage in self-care, you do, you just might need a reminder about what qualifies as self-care for you. And you might want to double down on it. I love that advice. You want to do things that make you happy. And as he says, there's plenty of components to self-care. But you mentioned the podcast here, Johnny. Would you mind please also sharing your professional social media 
website or ways for our listeners to start following your endeavors right away? Yeah. So if you are, um, if you're going to stop listening to this right now, just go to copenotes.com and it will have anything and everything you need. Um, if you're on Facebook, my name is Johnny Crowder. You'll probably hopefully be able to find me. I'm the one with all the tattoos. Um, on LinkedIn, I'm Johnny Crowder as well. And then if you're an Instagram kind of guy or gal, uh, my Instagram handle is Johnny Crowder loves you because I do. I love it. So be sure to check out his social media and website and of course his podcast. And it is social media time for the show and we're on whichever platform you like to use. We're at a mental health break on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And on Twitter, we're at Podcasts by Lancey to get you updates from this show and what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. Of course, my handles are at Vincent A. Lancey for all social media and YouTube. And my website is vincentalancey.com. If you check out my books, DM me. I want to hear from you. We have Left for Dead, a story of redemption and how to transform your mindset when the norm has changed, both on Amazon now. If you enjoyed today's episode, please continue listening and rate A Mental Health Break with Vincent A. Lancey, five stars. I work hard to find value-delivering guests for you each episode. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you all on the next episode of A Mental Health Break with Vincent A. Lancey.